On January the 8th of last year, my bucket list changed. How many of you have a bucket list? You know, a list of things that you want to do, places you want to go, experiences you want to have uh, before you're gone. You know, I, I have a bucket list. And on January the 8th, 2017... It changed because my goal was to go to Northern California to see the giant redwood forest and drive under that tree that you always see in pictures, you know, with the car. There's a tunnel under a redwood tree. It's called the cabin tree because it's as big as a house. But on January the 8th, 2017, the cabin tree fell. Now, I still want to see the redwoods. And maybe there's another tree you can drive under. I don't know. Maybe. But you know, from, from the outside, the tree looked pretty good. If you just in passing looked at the tree. But if you got up closer, you would notice that the, the erosion had washed dirt off. The roots were getting very shallow. Uh, the inner core of the tree was rotting. Limbs were getting brittle. And when a strong storm came, a tree that had stood for over 100 years just could take no more. And when I was reading about this tree, it made me think about many of our lives. How many people appear to be very strong and self-assured and confident on the outside, but inside there's a lot of anxiety and fear, there's a lot of doubt, and they're just not sure when the next big storm comes if they can stand. And I 
came across a verse in John 10.10 where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Or in some translations it says, and have it abundantly. And I thought Jesus wants us to have an amazing life. He wants us to have a life that is full. He wants us to have a life that is abundant. Um, He doesn't want us to have a life that is full of doubt and anxiety and fear and wondering if we can stand the next storm or not. He wants us to have an amazing life. And I want to talk about that over the summer, what it means to have an amazing life. And it starts this morning by talking about an amazing life begins when you acknowledge that you have an amazing Savior. I want to talk about our salvation. And I know for most of us, we look back and say, I've done that. I've taken care of that. I became a Christian. I've answered that question so many times. People would say, when did you become a Christian? I became a Christian Easter Sunday, 1967. I was 11 years old. And I went forward in church. I made my confession of faith of Jesus Christ. I was baptized in his name. And on that day, I became a Christian. And each of you, we could go around the room and say, when did you become a Christian? When did you? But I think if we're not careful, we we tend to think of salvation as something that's been done. I was saved. I became a Christian. But if we read the scripture, we actually come to understand that salvation has three stages to it. And let's start with that first one. The first thing that happens is that we are saved from the penalty of sin. We are saved from the penalty of sin. When we read in the Bible that Jesus died on the cross, that he took our sins upon himself, that he died for our sins, he was taking the penalty of sin from us. Before, when God looked out on humanity, all he saw were sinners. Sinner, 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 sinner. But once Jesus died for us, And becomes our Savior, then God looks out upon us and says, Saint, 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 Saint. He sees us differently because we have become someone different in Christ. But the fact that He died for the penalty of our sins is not enough. We have to receive that, we have to embrace that, we have to accept that. It's like these letters you get. How many of you get letters from credit card companies saying you've been pre-approved for their credit card? I'm really trying to figure out how many cards Capital One actually has. Because it seems like every week I get an offer for a different Capital One credit card. And they look different. They have different names. I don't know. And they all have different rewards. You know, that's the thing now. 
You don't want to just have a credit card. You want a credit card that's going to reward you. And let's say I take my pre-approved credit card letter and I go to the store and I pick out $1,000 worth of stuff. And I go up to the checkout and I let her scan all my stuff and then when it's time for payment, I hand her my letter. Here you go. I'm pre-approved for this credit card. It's going to have like a $10,000 credit limit on it. Here you go. Are they going to accept that? No. They're going to look at me like I'm crazy. So we can't take this. You have to actually get the credit card. (laughs) Then you bring that and we buy your stuff. You know, the same thing is true when we talk about Christ dying to take away the penalty of our sins. We have to actually receive it, embrace it, accept it. The offer is there. I've died for you. Your sins are covered by the blood of the cross. But have you received it? Have you embraced it? Have you taken hold of it by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And when you do, the penalty of your sins is taken care of. It's paid in full. But I think that's where many people stop. Okay, I have become a Christian. The penalty of my sins are covered. I'm good. But then there's step two. We're not only to be saved from the penalty of sin, but we are to be saved from the power of sin in our lives. I can tell you for a fact That on Easter Sunday, 1967, when I emerged from the waters of baptism and it was declared over me by my pastor that you are now a Christian, you're part of the family of God, and everybody, you know, hey, clap for me. From that moment on, I never sinned again. Uh Uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. Am I right? (laughs) Was that kind of a wicked laugh? (laughs) Be honest with you, I don't think I got through the day (laughs) before I screwed up somehow and did something I wasn't supposed to do. No, you see, just being saved from the penalty of sin did not... Save me from the power of sin. That then becomes a process that happens for the rest of my life. When I became a Christian, I invited the Holy Spirit into my life, and the Spirit from that moment on was going to work in me to help me overcome the power of sin, the influence of sin. Temptation still came. And I still fell victim to it. But the goal is that day by day, I achieve more victories than defeats against the power of sin. Not because I'm getting more spiritual, but because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit more and more to lead. Do we have any Bob Dylan fans here? Anybody a Bob Dylan fan? 
I never got Bob Dylan. I never got Bob Dylan. Is it me or does the guy not, he doesn't know how to sing. Does he really? I mean, I listen to Bob Dylan and I say, I can do that. I really do. I, 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 and I realized Bob Dylan became famous and popular not because of his great vocal ability, but because of the message of his songs. He, he wrote songs at a time when there was a lot of upheaval. The Vietnam War was going on. There was a lot of social justice issues being dealt with. And Bob Dylan touched people with his lyrics. He didn't sing them very well. But the message uh, was there. And later in life, Bob Dylan became a Christian. And he put out... A, an album of Christian music. Now, the fact that I say album dates it a bit. I think mine was actually a cassette. Okay? So I'm not that old. Cassette. It was a cassette. Um, but he titled the album Slow Train Coming. And I like that. That was his way of saying, this didn't just happen to me overnight. I didn't just become a Christian. And now it's all settled. My understanding of God and Jesus and salvation has been a slow train coming. And I have gradually come to understand what that means. And the song that I wanted, that I bought the album for was called, You're Going to Serve Somebody. And the refrain went, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. <laughs> I like that. For a new Christian, that was pretty insightful. He understood that in this life, none of us live totally free, independent lives. We're all influenced by something. You have the spirit of evil. You have the spirit of God. And we are going to serve one of them. And if you have not received Christ, if you don't live for Christ, guess what? There's only one other way you can go. So he understood this, this idea of process. That we are saved from the penalty of sin, but we are day by day being saved from the power of sin, depending upon who we decide to serve. Are we going to serve ourselves, which is the same <laughs> as serving Satan? Or are we going to allow the Spirit of God to reign in our lives and submit more and more to Him? So we're saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And someday we will be saved from the presence of sin. As we live in this world, we are never free from the presence of sin. Even if I managed to become perfect... Can you envision that, honey? 
the day when I would be perfect? <laughs> she does not cooperate with these things at all. Um, okay, use your imagination. As big as it may take, I have achieved perfection in terms of my spiritual life. I have reached a point where the power of sin is nil. It has no influence at all in my life. I am totally and completely Christian. I would still have to live with all of you. <laughs> I mean, well, that didn't come out right, did it? That probably, probably didn't sound the way it, was, it did in my mind. But, I mean, okay, let's say all of you... Manage to become perfect spiritually, you'd still have to live with me. You know, the, the presence of sin would still be there. It doesn't matter how spiritual I become, how full of Christ I become, I still live in a world that is filled with the presence of sin. And the consequences of that sin is going to affect me. So I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved day by day from the power of sin. And I long for the day when I will be saved from the presence of sin. When I leave this world behind and enter into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ forever. Because at the gates of heaven. You know those pearly gates with the golden street and all that. How we envision it. At the gate of heaven is a sign. It says sin. It has a circle around it and a line through it. Yeah. No sin allowed in heaven. It's a sin-free zone. And I got another secret to tell you. In order to get there, I'm not going to die. Are you going to die? I'm not. And that's not just wishful thinking. That's the promise of God as well. In John 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Okay. That means I'm going to die, but then I'm going to live. But you can't stop there. The next part of the statement says, and he who lives and believes in me, will never die. Oh. Sounds a little contradictory, doesn't it? On the one hand, if you die, you will live. But if you live and believe in him, you'll never die. So what's he talking about? He's looking at it from two different angles. The first die in that verse is referring to this. This body that I inhabit. To be honest with you, I'm not that enamored by it. It's it's okay, it's functional, but I'm not all that you know in love with this. <laughs> and if someday I got to lose this, well, psh, good luck whoever gets it next. That's all I could say, because I've pretty well worn the thing out. I mean, there's there's just not a whole lot left here that. Anybody would want, it would end up on the free table in a rummage sale. You know, put it that way. You know, that would be me. Um, <laughs> so, 
If someday this has to die in order for me to be saved from the presence of sin, take it. But my spirit, my soul, that which was created by God in the image of God, way back in Genesis that said he created us in his image, in his likeness, and the part of us that he was talking about is our spirit and our soul. And that's the part Jesus is talking about when in the second part of that verse in John 11, he says, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That part of you was created to be eternal, And if you give it to Christ, he'll keep it forever. So this will die. But what's inside of this will not. And on the day that I leave this body behind and I enter into his kingdom, then I am finally saved from the presence of sin. Then my salvation, if you will, will be complete I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I'm now completely saved from the power of sin. And I am saved from the presence of sin. That's a powerful little word, isn't it? Salvation. But when you unpack it, it means all of those things. So the next time somebody asks you, when did you become a Christian? Tell them I'm still a work in progress. It started on Easter Sunday, 1967, and it will end the day I enter into God's kingdom. But all along the way, I am being saved. Let's pray together. God, I am so thankful for the teachings of your word, that you love us, and that you want to save us from our sins from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and you want to save us someday from the presence of sin. Lord, receive us into your hands. Fully lead us and guide us. And forgive us for those times when we resist your leading and your guiding, when we seek to do it our own way. And we all long for that day when we shall be fully free from the presence of sin in your kingdom. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Every Sunday during this time of invitation, we offer you the opportunity to take that first step of salvation, to be free from the penalty of your sin by accepting Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your salvation. If there's anyone here this morning that's not taken that first step, understanding that it's only the first step and that you will spend the rest of your life completing your salvation. But we would invite you to come. It would be my joy to receive you, to pray with you, to uh, share with you a confession of faith that says, I believe in Jesus and accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism And you will be saved from the penalty of sin. And you will begin the process of being freed from the power of sin. Let's stand together, sing hymn number 29, verses 1 and 2.